0: Welcome to Conversations. And now, from Los Angeles, here's your host, Mike Dowler.
1: Good morning from Los Angeles. I'm Mike Dowler, and welcome to Conversations Radio. This is really early for me. I need to... uh... (laughs) take another tiger of coffee here mm, great hey glad to have you guys on here you can like us on facebook follow us on twitter follow us on instagram at conversations radio hey on twitter it's really quite simple it's at converse radio that's like the shoe without the e at converse radio and on facebook we are simply conversations the podcast we don't get kicked off usually so we're good Hey, a great show today. This was really a last-minute thing, and I'm so glad we were able to work this out. Our guest is going to be Bella Rain. She is an emerging guitarist from Northern California. She'll be joining us in a second. My co-host is going to be the wonderful Leland Skalar. I want to thank our guest from episode 148, and that was Zachary Gollinger. You know him from HBO's Barry. He played uh, Barry's son, John. And also in the crowded room as a young Danny uh, opposite uh, Tom Holland, Amanda Seafried, and Emmy Rosam. A wonderful, wonderful actor. And again, uh, all of our actors out there are feeling it right now. The SAG actors, uh, the strike is in full swing. I totally support. But the podcasts are still here. I've adjusted my programming just a tad. By the way, all of our podcasts are on Apple Podcasts. You can go to the iTunes store, search Conversations Radio, and voila. They're all right there, tucked in quite nicely for your listening enjoyment. And they're on Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Podbean, everywhere. Just Google it. You'll find it. Hey, let's get this party started. My co-host, returning co-host, keeps coming back. It's great. I mean, it's amazing. He is uh, one of the best bassists ever, legendary. With about 25,000 songs to his credit. Right now, somewhere in the world, there is a song playing with this gentleman's bass line. Our guest co host this morning is the wonderful Leland Scholar. Lee, good morning.
0: Good morning. <laughs> says, I'm glad to be here. You know, I was clean shaven when you started this introduction.
1: <laughs> you were never clean, sha- clean shaven, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure it was. Wait, look. No, it's a boy. There's a beard. (laughs) So, but you. No, it's uh, great to be with you again. Glad to have you back, and uh, glad that you're able to join us. And uh, we're gonna talk to Bella in just a second. You are on the road with Lyle Lovett, and you are coming down from a ten-hour bus ride. And I gotta tell you, I saw your video of the bus. It looks pretty cozy.
0: It's cozy, (laughs) you know. But ten hours in anything gets to be a little. A little bit much. I mean, we our trip was waylaid a little bit because they're doing construction on the Trans-Canada Highway where we needed to be, so we had to take a a, a detour 100 miles through the Canadian Rockies in, in our buses, and uh, it added a bunch of time to it. But we're here now in Calgary. We play tonight, and then tomorrow we head off to Edmonton, and we play there, and then we're back in the States uh in montana uh, right after that yeah
1: you just missed the stampede
0: i know there's as we're pulling in they're tearing it down
1: and you're on the road with lyle Lovett, and uh how's that going
0: it's fabulous i've been i've worked with lyle since 1988 um uh, the first time i worked with him was on his large band album and uh every chance we've had since then to record or play together we do and uh so the summers of the past couple of summers have been Lyle Summers, and uh, I, I love it. The band is unbelievable. It's a 15-piece band and just incredibly great musicians, to the point sometimes where you almost forget to play because you're digging everybody else so much. But the shows are going great. Uh, we're, we're I'm thrilled with the tour.
1: You're pay, you're playing some beautiful venues, especially the winery, the winery up in Wooten, Wootenville.
0: Oh, um, man unbelievable. I
1: love that your YouTube page, you actually take time out to do that and and give a little tour of of the places you're playing the venues. And there are so many wonderful venues. There's some hell holes as well. But for the most part, you're playing some really, really cool theaters, old theaters, restored to their glory. And uh, that's so cool.
0: Well, the great thing is, we're playing music, I really I could care if we were playing in a cow pasture. You know, if you're playing music for people and they're having a good time, you know, that's that's all that counts. But it, it's been interesting. I started doing this last year on, on the summer tour uh, of basically taking the fans with us on the road and showing them every one of the venues and showing them the aspect of the venue that they'll never get to see from the basements to the attics to the backstage to, you know, it, it, it's become a real tight-knit community of people that are, that are joining me on the road. And uh, I love it. It's it's a great way to spend the afternoons every day. is just wandering in these venues.
1: And I had to uh, I had to play Warren's Yvonne yeah. before. Uh, that song is just so simple, but yet it's very very complex. As it as well. Warren
0: Warren was quite special. Uh, I miss him every day. He and he could write a song that made you laugh your ass off, and then the next <laughs> song would tear your heart out. Um, he was a remarkable musician.
1: I remember going to see you at uh at the canyon which is by the way closed now they closed it unfortunately. Yeah, I heard. But you guys were doing a sound check with uh with everybody. Wadi was there and the whole band and um Lawyers Guns and Money I just fell down. I mean, that's just like, yeah. you know, great. Yeah. It's
0: it's a tough one. We've lost so many over the years. That's the thing that makes me so enthusiastic about people like Bella because there's the, the other generations that are coming up that are, that you can pass the baton to. Sure. And, certainly. And see that and see them take, take, you know, hold of this whole thing.
1: Well, and, and Bella's uh, Bella's story is unique because uh, you know, she didn't intend to be a guitarist, but uh, you know, at, at, at the age of 16, she, uh, she is, it all started a couple of years back during the COVID chaos, the quarantine and, you know, getting bored. She started to poke around the garage and found a, Fender Strat that belonged not a bad, to, yeah, not a bad <laughs> find. that belonged to her mom she picked it up, dusted it off, started playing and the rest, uh, well, she's self-taught I mean uh, here's a little sample for you here again, self-taught <laughs> then there's this. This is not Pink Floyd. Wait for it. I mean, just amazing. I think one day, Lee, you'll be playing in her band.
0: Oh. Totally digging it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's
0: <laughs> Thank really, you so really much. You, you found a guitar. So how long have you actually been playing guitar now?
2: I'd say going going on about three years now.
0: That's great. That's on. Well, it's really amazing. I mean, you, you, you have, there's a maturity in your playing that's um, really developing in there that's uh, really exciting. I mean, I'm really... Very enthusiastic to see where the future goes with you and your playing because, uh, because you've, you've got the attitude and the tone and everything in there. So, I'm I'm excited for you. This was a great discovery finding your, your YouTube channel and this and stuff on there. Bella thank Rain, thank you so much, Bella Rain from Northern
1: California. How are you this morning?
2: I'm doing great. How are you guys
0: doing well? And
1: I too, um, was floored when I found her uh, stuff on social media yeah amazing i mean self-taught what does that mean i mean lee i mean
0: well i mean i I know a lot of. we're on the road right now and jim cox is the piano player in lyle's band right now and jim cox is one of the most in-demand studio players on piano and keyboards in la for for decades now and he's self-taught i mean he took some lessons by the time he got to college but for the most part he's self-taught and uh it's a lot of it is your dedication to it that that, you know your ears what you're listening to and and how you approach the instrument there's people that have been studying you know classically studying for for years that don't have the same feel so um it's like people that are that are homeschooled i mean you can come out of a homeschooling if the situation's right with an incredible education and you can spend years in school and learn nothing sure so
1: yeah belly you're 16 years old yes and you're in mendocino california um how did, again this all started a lot of it during COVID. we were all looking for things to keep us positive yeah. and keep us busy but how did it start for you your earliest recollections of uh, of all of this because i mean you you really are just uh you've embraced this and and uh, wow <laughs> what is your uh, what's the genesis of all this
2: oh well i really i've had music playing throughout my whole childhood and music's always been a really big part of part of my life and as I said, I think you know both of my parents are deadheads. <laughs> and wonderful. <laughs> so I've been really exposed to music my whole childhood and I yeah, never thought I was going to become a guitarist. So I really just needed something to get my hands on and work on and when I found that strat I was like, you know what, I'll fix it up and it just kind of spiraled from there.
0: That's cool.
1: <laughs> You mentioned you mentioned you fixed it up. What kind of shape was the Strat in when you when you found it?
2: It was in pretty good condition, I think it was from the nineties. Oh. And it was it was pretty it's pretty well kept.
1: What color is it? It's black. Oh wow! Okay, so uh, yeah, uh, Fender Strat. Uh, that's that's a good find. Strings were okay and everything, or no?
2: I changed the strings yeah, out.
1: <laughs> that's a good thing. And uh, by the way, she also plays bass, too, Lee. So we'll get into that in a little bit as well.
0: Cool.
1: So you found the guitar, and how much playing had you done previously on the guitar?
2: Not much. I had a Martin Acoustic I think I had messed around with a little bit, Christmas Gift. Um, And I played with that, and then I really started to get serious because I was really interested in grunge music. And that was really embracing and welcoming for me.
1: You, um, you really impressed uh, Jimmy Cantrell as well.
2: <laughs> he is so amazing.
1: There's a name from the past, Holly. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's great. That's um, wonderful.
1: And um, you played. Uh, you started playing venues. That would, it, when did you realize, hey, this is it, this is becoming a thing for me? I mean, what was the plan? <laughs>
2: You know, After some of those shows, after some of the nights where I played those venues, it just started to hit me then. And I was like, this is what I love. This is what I want to be doing. And I honestly didn't really know what I was getting myself into going into places like the whiskey. And now I think back, if I would have known then, maybe I would have been more nervous. But I walked into it kind of blindsided, and I appreciated that.
0: That's a great way to approach it, though. You're not not kind of freaking out like, oh, God. The yeah, plates and all that to be able to just go in and lay it down
1: (laughs) the um right the the story is amazing um and you've got uh, like I say you got recognized uh from many and you are a Fender artist as well as Ernie Ball that's that's a that's a huge thing (laughs) and uh Cream Guitars those are kind of cool
2: yes Cream Guitars are so amazing and I'm so happy to be working with them now. And I really just want to say that they're such a special company. And now that they're having kind of an uprising now, it's just amazing. They were, I'd say, the most popular booth at NAMM for two years in a row. And I met up with them the first year that I went, which was 2022. And it just had like a really strong connection. And I saw their guitars and I was like, this is something that looks like me. (laughs) <laughs> this is something that I want to be playing. And I mean, they, they sounded as amazing and stunning as they looked. And they're really just stellar, stellar pieces of equipment. And I got a great connection with some of the members there. And we just kept in touch. And then going back this year, they reached out to start working with me. And I'm just so happy about that.
1: That's great. That's how it goes, Lee. I guess you start playing guitar and he start sending you stuff.
0: I mean. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't want people to be naive about this and think if they start playing, suddenly the companies are going to start pouring <laughs> in. But sometimes they see somebody that sparks them, and they're willing to support them, and that's really great. Um, but they're still a, they're still a company that has to make a living; sure. so they're not giving away all their gear. But um, but it, it's great when they when they do find an artist that 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 really sparks them, and they want to be you know, involved from the beginning with them. So it's great that you hooked up with them like that and you'll hopefully have a a nice long-term relationship with them. And it gets to the point where you can be involved with the development of an instrument to do a signature model where it's, you know, it's specific to your needs. You um, uh, Other people embrace that.
1: You as well, Lee, I mean, uh, you've got a great relationship with Dingwall, um, as well as Warwick too. Um, Yeah. And, um, how does that work? I mean, it's my let's look back you've been playing for a 1000 years, obviously. Um, Look at me, obviously. (laughs) Remember when they started sending you stuff? You were like, like, what the hell?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, early on, there was a a couple of things like I I got involved in like 1971. I think with Yamaha, they came to Los Angeles um, with a bunch of one off prototype instruments, basses. And got together with like me and Abe Laboreal and different guys in town and gave each of us a base to try uh just for product evaluation. And uh and I ended up using that, the base, with that was on, like on James Taylor's smile and face and a bunch of different stuff. But um the thing like I got involved with the NAM show is is a wealth of information for you. Um, when it comes to all of that, hold on, I got to hang up here real quickly, <laughs> I have a call coming. Um, when you go around the NAM show, you see so much equipment there, and every once in a while, something hits you, and that's the way it was for me with Dingwall. Um, I had been looking for a five-string bass for a long time because a great deal of the work that I do is replacing synth bass and synth bass is always the, they, the guys that are programming that have a left arm that's like 18 inches longer than the right arm, because <laughs> they're always at the bottom of the keyboard. I needed a bass that could really kind of replicate that tonality and most five strings to me, the B string was always just kind of moved air. It didn't really have tone. And I met Sheldon at, at a NAMM show about 20 years ago and uh, I saw his bass and he asked me if I'd try it and I did and it was the best one I ever played so we I used them for years and then he finally said let's do a signature one and I didn't really feel the necessity for that cuz I think what he has off the shelf is so good but I understand why they like to have a signature one so we refined one of the models and and tweaked it around a bunch and uh, came up with that and and so that's my five string but I was at um Bass player live uh, a, a number of years back, and Warwick always had a big footprint at those kind of shows, and I got I would always like to go early so I could look at stuff before it gets too crowded. And they had a, a, a model that they call a Star base, which is a semi, uh, a, it's a hollow body um, four string that I tried, and I I just went man, this is killer, <laughs> and I, so I got involved with Warwick, and the main thing was. Uh, these two bases are diametrically opposed i mean you know the the dingwall is a solid body five string and all this the base i did with warwick is a four string that's a hollow body so there was none of that where people are saying oh these guys are whores they'll they'll put their name on anything which is can be a chronic problem in business because people are always looking for an excuse to jump all over you and say you know you're you you're well, I'm not going to say it on the show. No, it's
1: it's, it's good advice, yeah. for sure. Yeah, so
0: so I, those are the two instruments. Other than that, though, I've got my Frankenstein bass, which we yes. built back in 73, which actually Fender right now is trying to do a, 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 a very limited edition oh, wow. version of it. Um, and it, it's, it's a long ways from being ready to go, but th- they've been bugging me for years about doing one. So I finally just said, well, let's see what you can come up with. But I'm not a gearhead. You know, no. I, I, I know guys that have like anywhere from 50 to 600 instruments, <laughs> That's and I've got, a, I've got really about a half a dozen instruments at home that, because to me, uh, sitting in a garage or a closet is not healthy for an instrument, you need no. to play them.
1: I remember so. watching a, a, a video online with, with 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 the Foo Fighters. And of course, their studio's in the valley, and that's th- like their headquarters. And yeah. they go to the back room, and I mean, it's just like shelves and shelves of drum heads and guitars, and, you know, and man, I mean, that's just the, the yeah. stuff you accumulate, you know. I mean, drummers, I guess, um, every tour, they get a new drum set a lot of times. So it's like, you know, well, it's always something. Yeah, I mean,
0: to- I, I show up at a session, and a lot of times a drummer. We'll show up and there's a road case with like you know 30 snares. <laughs> you know, we're only doing one song like today. What's the what point, you, yeah. What's, yeah, but but everybody's got their own thing. And and there's people that absolutely love, I mean, in our band, The Immediate Family, Steve Postel's got mountains of guitars in his house. He just loves guitars. Wow. And so he's got tons of them. And to me, you know, that's great. If that's something you love, enjoy it. It's his hobby.
1: It's his hobby, yeah. Um, Bella, Frankenstein guitar yet or no? (laughs) Do you have one? I would love that. Yeah. I mean, you you got got quite a collection. You're playing uh, Fender. You're playing Gibson as well. Martin, how many do you have total now on the rack?
2: I think i'm going on about 10 on the rack wow. and it just keeps it just seems to keep growing it's not my fault
1: <laughs> and when you when you first started playing uh electric you had an acoustic uh amp so tell me about that
2: <laughs> i had a acoustic marshall amp and i was plugging i was plugging the old strat into it and i was like this works right and i thought it was fine and <laughs> i remember Dad took me to a guitar shop and was like, "Okay, we'll pick we'll pick out a pedal. And I picked out a compression pedal for some strange reason, because obviously I didn't know. And um, I remember letting the battery, the nine volt die on the compression pedal and getting this kind of gritty distortion from it through my acoustic amp, through this old electric guitar and letting the battery drain out and finding old batteries and getting a distortion from it. And that was honestly the most like authentic story from that memory that i have
1: love that sounds like an old That's fuzz face kind of thing
0: yeah um hey, what are you calling me
1: fuzz face okay
0: <laughs> fuzzy. i mean no the guitar
1: is like the guitar is one thing but then you gotta then you gotta buy pedals and all the other peripheral stuff <laughs> so wh- right. wh- what's, what's the pedal count roughly now because they all do something Ooh. different
2: the pedal, ca- the pedal count on my board, I think, is about eight right okay. now, and it keeps changing. But probably have like twenty or thirty.
1: So you taught yourself to play. Then how did you discover? Like, how did you f- figure out what pedals to buy and all that? Because I mean, you've really like done this. And when, when did you start playing? How long ago?
2: Three years ago. Three years,
1: <laughs> three years ago. I mean, um, yeah, guitarist phenom for sure. So um, again, because pedals can can be expensive too. So, Mm -hmm. what was that process? Who was mentoring you um, through this, or were you kind of much, pretty much on your own on this journey?
2: I'm so lucky to have such a great support system from my parents to friends and close family to mentors who I've met along the way. And as you know, my journey kind of started early when I got the opportunity to play at some of those bigger venues and meet people like. Like I met meeting people like Robert Sarzo, Rudy Sarzo, just huge, huge inspirations to me there. And doing so, so early, that made a big difference to me to have such a great, have such great mentorship. And
1: Did you play with um, Steve Vai as well? Or you met him?
2: No, I have not.
1: I thought you did. Okay. Um, who do you look up to as far as guitarists out there and musicians right now? besides Lee of course but um
0: <laughs> i don't play guitar so we're we're good there yeah why is that
1: Lee Have <laughs> you ever play guitar or just
0: you, no you, you can't do it I no mean, I, I started on piano and then moved to upright bass when i entered junior high school cuz there was a million piano players God. and uh and so bass was my in, instrument of choice so i i never never i could never <laughs> understand how anybody could play guitar with those little spacings and those little coming from upright so See, um, <laughs> I love that.
1: And again, thank God you survived the piano years. That was uh, just, yeah, horrific.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah, but it was it was great. Yeah. You know, I mean, the great part for me w- was having studied classical piano since I was five. Was when the world of studio finally opened up for me. I was a strong reader, um, so like I once I started doing studio work, that I suddenly had access to to movies and jingles. Um, and, and yeah. legit stuff. So it wasn't just, you know, playing rock and roll, I would get the calls for the Barbara Streisands and the people like that. Um, so but the piano really gave me a great foundation. Plus, it gave me the knowledge of like treble clef, tenor clef and all that. So in case somebody wrote a chart and screwed up and put the bass parts in treble clef, I could still read it as a bass part and stuff. So, so, so Bell- the, the piano I would never, I would never... Uh, denied the piano was really the foundation of my whole musical career. But I was just ready for something different. By the time I got into junior high, I was kind of not burned out. But I I was I mean, I had, you know, won awards from the Hollywood Bowl Association and all this when I was like eight years old. And I was just, I was done. I needed childhood. (laughs) No, and also when you're talking when you're talking about well when you're talking about like your age with this too, one of the things that was really thrilling for me was the last tour we did with Phil Collins uh, his not dead yet tour. his son Nick took over the drum seat and he was oh, 16. amazing when they were met. Wow. And, he, and he didn't get the gig because his dad was Phil Collins. he got it because he earned it. He was a really solid drummer when he was four. And uh, and so he he did the the two years of the Phil Collins tour. Then went out after that with Genesis and did Genesis. He was out this year with Mike and the Mechanics, and he's oh. got his own band in Florida. And he's like 21 now, I yeah. think. So it's thrilling to to be around, you know, watching you know young people develop and really find their place in this whole thing. And that's and that's kind of exciting. It's a little like the journey that that you're traveling at this point, Bill, where. You know, I mean, there's so much that that's potentially ahead of you at this point. So you just stay focused, you know, on on developing your skills and and finding your voice in this is the important thing. Is to it is to do to get to a point where where you play something and, so, and then people start going, well, that's Bella Rain, isn't it? I, I know that. So, I mean, because it happens. There's an artist I just worked. I did an album with named Larry Basilio, who's a Brazilian guitarist and just monster if you have if you're not familiar with her check her out you I think you'd really love what she does but I definitely uh, will yeah but uh, it's lari is her first name but hearing you watching your videos and stuff you, you, for the amount of time you've been playing it's quite remarkable what you're doing right now
1: so self self taught bella what was your process how did you teach yourself
2: honestly just watching watching live concerts of my favorite bands watching my favorite guitarists and youtube videos yeah. lots wow. of youtube videos
1: you live in a a wonderful time right now you know back 30 years yeah. ago you would have had you would have had a real to real deck and that was your that was your go-to now with digital it's just <laughs> so easy lee you remember the days of tape and you know how oh how yeah well no, i mean, I
0: mean- but I mean, I'll tell you, YouTube is magic. I mean, you know, as much as people oh, whine about social media and all the different platforms and stuff. I mean, I I'm an insomniac. I I don't sleep that much. A lot of times at night, I'm just up watching YouTube videos. <laughs> all kinds of artists. Sometimes I'll pick a song and then find like thirty different versions of it by different you know everybody from Pavri to to you know who knows you know and, and uh, it's a It's a thrilling format. There's so much educational stuff that you can find there that, um, you know, there's a lot of crap too, like anything else. So you've got to kind of weed through it, Sure, but uh, it is really quite remarkable um, what's available on there uh, from being, especially during the pandemic, it really became essential because the the social interaction was over at that point and nobody knew what was going to, the future was going to hold with that going on. And uh, it became like a really uh, a good friend to have every day. Sure. Just to sit there, and that's how my my channel was a complete accident um, when I started it. it. I had no intention of starting a YouTube channel, but you know, there's like 225,000 people coming there, and you know, it's amazing to me.
1: And you post a lot, which is good too. So, oh yeah, of- no,
0: I mean, to me, to me, if you're going to do a channel, it's Content and, and it's. It, and I mean, sometimes I post a couple of things a day. I mean, I've got I think about fourteen hundred videos up now, on it, and uh, wow. I love it. I, it's something you know. The hard part for me was there were things that I ended up because when COVID hit, my my date book went uh, of work went from f- full for a year to empty, right. like everybody else because everything was shutting down. And so, I started to look for options of things to do. I had never recorded from home before COVID. Um, I always, if somebody would wanted me to do something from home, I would just say, send me the files, and I would go to friends' houses that had studios. So, they, we would throw the baseline on whatever they wanted, and then we'd go have lunch. So, it was a social thing, but all of a sudden, nobody was getting together. And uh, so, I found that I ended up starting to work from home and uh did that did the book that i've got out um did the youtube channel and all that the thing that's a drag now is i um wor- now everything's back opened up but i don't want to give any of that up so now i'm working no. twice as hard as <laughs> i ever did because i'm still doing everything i did during covid plus the workload of being on the road and doing all this stuff so it's pretty pretty insane right now
1: bella are you recording at home as well yes what's great what What's your uh, platform? What uh, software do you use?
2: Right now, I'm using Logic Pro X, and I have a little Zoom Zoom soundboard that I love.
1: You're using that now, right?
2: I'm using it now. That's yes,
1: great. that's, that's cool. And
2: I board. mix and I mix and I master all my own stuff that I record at my house. So I've been working on that a lot.
1: That's yeah. Again, that's what cool. a, what an age we live in uh, that we have that technology as well. So, again, you, you've, you've accumulated a, a plethora, I love that word, plethora of guitars, <laughs> and um, you taught yourself. I mean, that that's amazing. Again, uh, you're, yeah, I wanted i wanted to A and B, but I didn't get a chance to set up. But, uh, yeah, your covers are fantastic. You are writing, though, I understand.
2: Yes, I am writing my own original music now. I'm working on that more.
1: Great. So, are you are you singing as well or just guitar?
2: I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone to start singing, and honestly, that's what I've been hearing from as many people I've, as I've talked to in the industry is that I need to sing, and that's going to push it. So I'm doing that as well.
1: Well, you don't have to, but again, it's 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 always an option, you know, especially for like background and stuff. Now, Lee, I never, see, I never see you sing,
0: Lee. I've sung some background yeah. and stuff, but as a bass player, I don't have the same pressure on me that the a guitarist does when they're at the front of the stage. Right. I can, I can sit in the back and, and do it, but like with Lyle, there's a few songs that that I'll, I'm throwing in background stuff, and I've done it with different bands. But for the most part, I'm really quite content sitting in the back, you know, with the drummer and just laying down a foundation for everything. And my my setup for recordings, being a bass player, it's really simple. I've got a, a, a SSL two plus interface. I plug it into GarageBand in my laptop and load the files into that and plug into that. And um, I just finished an album for a guy, uh, I believe he's in Italy, when we started this tour, he sent me 16 songs to put bass on. And I finished the last one yesterday, and and sent them all off to him. So for me, just as as far as I'm only dealing with bass, I'm not cutting tracks, I'm not sitting with a drum machine or any other stuff going on. So for me, my home recording is strictly just putting bass on albums. And, and so the the, uh, the requirement for gear is incredibly simple. And I send everything flat. I don't put, add anything. Uh, I'll I'll add suggestions for things that they might do in post uh, once they've had it. And I usually for each song, I'll send them four or five passes so that they can cut and paste if there's different things they would like to try or something like that. So
1: Let me stop know. down for but, just one second. I've done,
0: a, I've done about 16, or 18 albums in the wow. past couple of years. So
1: let me just stop now. That's a incredible. Uh, this is conversations radio episode number 149. Our guest is the wonderful Bella rain emerging artist. And my host is uh, the legume uh, Leland Sklar. I saw that on the video, actually. The fading artist. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, So Bella, you've acquired, you've got, uh, you've got, is there a guitar room at the house or, or are they like all over the place?
2: <laughs> my bedroom's turned into just about a studio
1: it's funny that's because cool. I, I i ran into uh devon bronson not too long ago you know him very well and i his wife is just precious she's wonderful and i said is there a radio is there a radio is there a guitar room there and she says, yeah every room of the house <laughs>
2: yeah, so, that's how it goes
1: as a matter yeah. of fact he played that night uh with greg adams greg adams was actually there which was which was amazing and um the guitar, the guitar he brought was one that was not in the case. That's what he
0: grabbed. <laughs> that's what he grabbed it. You know, I mean, but, everybody handles all this stuff differently. I've got I've got one room that's got, you know, the basses and stuff sitting in it, and, when, and I've got the room where I do my YouTube from, which is completely funky and, 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 and simple. It's just a, like a storeroom in the house. And uh, yeah. I've got a couple of basses in there, and, and so when I need to learn new songs, I just sit in there and work on that. And uh, one of the Best things I've got is I have a Tascam bass trainer, oh. um, which I can plug into the um, to the uh, laptop and plug the bass into that, and it's a great tool for that. Because like out here on the, I've got it out here on the road. Um, from the standpoint, like Lyle will just say, "Hey, tomorrow, here's a couple other songs that I'd like to try," because he's we're always changing the setup sure. and everything. And it gives me a chance to really just focus on learning songs that way. That's really the most time I spend. I don't practice, in, in, per se, but I, I've always got projects that I have to prepare for. So that's kind of my practice time.
1: You did your you did your gear tour, and and by the way, yeah. Bella, you should do one of those as well. I'll show you a, little, a little video of all your gear. But you I did would it, love to do that. But Leland, you did it in the garage. Now you don't keep that yeah. stuff there, do you? I hope.
0: Yeah, all my yeah. I had a I mean I've gone through like like what you're going through now Bella with like people with going to get instruments I had a warehouse full of stuff and I just finally said the hell with all this and and so and so I found a guy in LA that deals in that stuff and we just sold everything because I had just I had road cases I hadn't even opened in 30 years and uh <laughs> we got rid of everything and basically I've got everything at my house that I pretty much need for the rest of my my life probably because i've got the bass rig that i'm using out here with lyle is the is the rig i used with toto it's the rig i used with phil collins it's the one i used with james taylor and carol king it's the exact same rig for everything wow and uh it's a euphonic audio so what i've been i've been with them for about 20 years minimal minimalist
1: uh, as you say
0: minimalist. yeah well i am i mean i i mean i went through like box loads of pedals and I don't use any pedals. I mean, I carry a couple of things like a Boss OC2 Um if I want to do some stuff with octave divider and I have an old TC chorus flanger. But for the most part, as much stuff as, and I love pedals, but for the most part, when I get hired for a job, they want a really fat, rich, pure bass sound. and uh And you might plug some things in and they kind of go, that's cool, but could we go back to and so I just, uh, you know, I, I'll plug stuff in for my own amusement and I love to go down like the Hendrix road and do all kinds of stuff like that. But I, the calls I get aren't for that. I'm not in a band that 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 has been an essential part for, for many years. When I worked with Billy Thorpe from Australia um, wow. or when I worked with the section, I, I had a lot of pedals in, and I had a bass rig that was half a semi's worth of equipment. Cl- <laughs> the first gig we played when I was with Billy Thorpe, I showed up at the gig and I said that's not the PA system. That's backline. That's the bass rig, and uh, wow. it was this massive, monstrous rig. And uh, but uh, you know, nowadays that's not that that's not what's needed, and not what's being demanded. So I I, I keep it all really really uh, simple. And, and in the band too, like with us, you know, it runs the gamut because Steve Postel loves pedals like he loves his guitars. So he's got yeah. tons and tons of pedals. And Waddy Wachtel brings his 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 Les Paul oh. and a chord and an amp. Yeah. And that's it, he uses no pedals. And he's one of the more re- recorded guitar players, and he's played some of the best solos anybody's ever played. And he doesn't use anything except what he's got in his hands and his heart. So. We're, talk-
1: we're talking to Bella Rain, emergency guitarist and a musician from Northern California. So Bella, again, uh, congrats on all your success. Uh, you um the road is uh, going to be your oyster for sure, in the future <laughs> at some point. What do you have as far as gear? Can you name off guitars you have, offhand?
2: Thank you so much. Uh, I have a Fender's new line of an American Vintage Two Strat. It's a '61 in Olympic White, and mm-hmm. I just love it. And it's kind of my baby right now.
1: <laughs> you got it. You've got a Gibson as well.
2: And then I have a Gibson, a '60s Gibson Les Paul, and I have the obviously the new Cream yeah, guitar. That's
1: really, glittery. it's a Voltage,
2: and it's super sparkly. <laughs> I think that suits me, <laughs> um, and I love that. And those are kind of my three. Those are kind of my three mains right now.
1: That's good. That's a good, word, good word, Good way to start. I mean, you're not carrying like around, you know, 20 guitars on tour.
2: Right. I started off actually with a big interest in vintage guitars and I saved up for a 70s Univox High Flyer as kind of the first guitar I bought myself. And I was like, this is what, this is what I want.
1: What's the bass?
0: What bass do you have?
2: I have, I have just a Fender Jazz bass.
0: Okay. Which is still like the go-to if if you're ever going to have a bass, there's a million basses out there, but I'll tell you (laughs) a a, a fender jazz bass is really kind of like the holy grail for me and
1: and how easy is bass for you
2: i started playing bass not long after i started playing guitar and i got one for christmas and i was like this is great this is great um and i love that i love bass just the same and when i'm playing with a band and the bass player uh can't come to a to a practice or can't come to anything, it's great that I know that I can fill in and help out. Right.
0: However, yeah, I can. yeah, that's great.
1: And you know, what's, what's funny, Lee, is uh, so many really, really good female bass players out there.
0: Uh, oh God, it's no, amazing. There's, there's a wealth right now. You know, yeah. it's a, there's a, there's a there's a great one. If you want to check check uh, check out Rebecca Johnson. Okay, she's in Australia, but sings her ass off and is one of the baddest bass players you'll see and she's got a great band she's great i mean and then we've got like ellen you know the 12 oh, yeah. or 11 12 <laughs> now um but the, but there's there's a, a a ton of of really gifted when i've gone to some of the, like the base camps and stuff like that it's really exciting to see how many women are at the sure. uh, are at these uh, camps now because it was always you know other than Carol Kay it was always kind of you know, or Susie Quattro. I mean it was sure. kinda of like that was the the guy's domain and it's really great. I mean Tal Wilkenfeld oh. and, and all of you know there's there's so many right now that are uh just really amazing and, and I find it thrilling.
1: We um, lost uh, as you know we lost Jeff Beck not too long ago and yeah. Tal Wilkenfeld played with him a lot. I mean she he basically oh, yeah. he, he took her under his wing uh so to speak and uh and yeah it was a, a great musical relationship there for years and she's still going strong she even went on oh, two, yeah she, she went on tour when she had two broken legs she was still playing <laughs>
0: yeah she's she's I, i've known tal since she was i think 15 yeah and uh, no she's a remarkable musician and uh you know, and and there's just you know, I mean, the world's out there. I mean, it's just whoever wants to pursue it, and 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 uh, it's it can be a difficult journey because it's it can be fraught with disappointment, yeah, uh, and and stress and pressures and all that. But it's it's also one of the most joyous experiences there is, is to get up on a stage and see people dig you. <laughs> it's a, right, you know, and, and just make them happy. I, I find it. It's thrilling. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time, and it never gets old.
1: We're gonna wind down because it's getting close to. Uh, you got you got a show tonight, number one. Yep. And uh, Bill, do you have any questions for Leland? Now's your chance. Uh...
2: I do actually. Oh. I just wanted to ask if there was anyone you haven't had the opportunity to play. I mean, <laughs> I've I've looked over your discography, and is there any band you haven't played with? And if there's anyone you maybe regret not playing with or had the chance to play with or anyone you wish that you could play with in the near oh, future
0: yeah there's well there, there's a lot I mean like I was always I've always been a Steve Winwood fan and I never got a chance to play I've never had a chance to play with Winwood. um yeah I, I I came close to working with Elton and that that didn't happen um because I was on another tour and I couldn't take the wow the, and they call um, but there's there's lots. I mean you know I mean I can sit there and and, and go through like because when I started my YouTube channel, all of a sudden I really had to address my career because I've never thought about it. I only think about today and tomorrow. I never thought about my past. So I've had to do it. So I'm like looking at all these the, the, the amount of artists and stuff and I'm kind of going, but still there's so many out there that I would that I would love to play. I mean I would love to play with Keb Moe. You know as soon as I heard Kev Mo I ran out and bought his his record and I've met him but we haven't had a chance to play yet. but um I'm not I'm not greedy about things but there, there's a lot of people out there that I would still love to play with um and you know as long as I'm still working you know who knows <laughs> opportunities may still come to work with some of these people of course but uh and uh but it, it it's also just fun I'm I'm a really good audience. So I'm, you know, one of these people, I'm still like like fanboy, and when I <laughs> see people that I really dig. It's just fun to sit back and watch them. I mean, everybody was on, on my back when, when, as much as I hated when it happened when Dusty passed away from ZZ. You know, everybody's yeah. going, oh, man, you, you're the perfect guy for that. And I, and Why, I know Billy, of the, because but, of the beard or what? <laughs> you know, well, that's I mean, that would be part of it. But yeah. but certainly I was really I was thrilled when when his bass tech took over when, when Dusty passed away. Oh, that's great. You know, but it would have been fun. I've played, you know, I, I know Billy and and it would have been a, a kick to do that. But, you know, I, I also really could just sit in an audience and watch all these people and enjoy them. So to me, it's not. You know, I'm not hungry for all these gigs. I'm thrilled when I get them. Good
1: you know, question, right. Bella. Any other questions, Bella, you think of? Just
2: any advice that you would give someone young like me or maybe someone else just navigating the start of the music industry?
0: Okay, here we well, go. <laughs> well, well, no, no, no. But certainly, I think, I think the, the main thing right now is it seems like you have a focus and a passion, which is the thing that a lot of people sort of have, but they don't get there. But it's it, it, judging by the amount of time you've been working at, at your craft and how accomplished you are at this point and, and how being recognized for it is happening. Uh, I think you're you're well on your way. I think at this point, and it sounds like your folks probably have a lot to do with this. From the standpoint that when opportunities do come along, just be real careful about yeah. signing things, getting involved with anything. Make sure that that things are in your favor on these, because you know it, it gets like when people start offering you all kinds of stuff and all this, um, it's easy to go down the rabbit hole with that stuff, and, and and you don't want to have any regrets. Going, why did I do that? Oh Jesus. <laughs> It's not like you're, you're, you're creating a, 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 a Bella as a product at this point. And, and that's, I mean, which is great. And that's what you really need to focus on is, uh, is keep working on your craft, get as good as you can possibly be. And, um, and then just be kind of surrounded with a good support team that, uh, won't let you, you know, have anything really go South on you that could cause you any problems.
1: One question for you, Bella, um, to reverse that, who do you want to play with?
2: I would have to say Warren Haynes, uh, Mike yeah. McCready, Mike McCready, and John Mayer, and I know that that's oh. all along the whole spectrum and all <laughs> all different styles, but
1: each unique.
2: That would be sure. that would be amazing.
1: Each unique. I want to talk you, you- about.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to throw something out. Uh, uh, Judging by what I've heard you play, I'd I'd like to throw something else out for you to listen to. Um, In in around 1993, I was in a band called Barefoot Servants, and the two guitarists in it were John Butcher and Ben Schultz. And John was the singer. He's he's got a group called John Butcher's Axis out of Boston, and uh, monstrous guitar players. Um, and it sounds like it's right up your alley. I mean, we were kind of like somewhere between Hendrix and ZZ Top and all that. Um, but, but there's a bunch of stuff on YouTube from our, that first album that we did called Barefoot Servants. And I think you, I think you would really enjoy it judging by the, uh, stuff I've heard of your playing.
1: She's taking notes there. That's great. <laughs> How cool. Hey, I want to mention as well, uh, you're involved with, uh, with a, with a charity, right? You're doing some, some work with, uh. To get music into people's hands, tell me about that.
2: Yes, I'm actually working on, in any way, starting a foundation to kind of just get. The goal is to get because living in a rural area like me, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of opportunities, especially for young ones. And I'm working on a foundation to get scholarships to put music and instruments and lessons in the hands of young girls who don't have access to it and. Areas like these.
0: That's That's wonderful.
1: wonderful. Keep me um, abreast of that, and we'll make sure we plug that. Because that's that's you're you're giving back. I mean, you're you're also you're so new. That's what's amazing. You're so new. You're really into this. You're getting your feet wet. You're playing. You're doing live gigs. You're recording, and now giving back by trying to help others um, find that as well. And again, music um, is it's it's a drug. It's a good drug. It's a good drug. But man, what a way to uh, you know just give yourself direction in life to have that in your life a house without music and i've met people that don't like music and i can't believe it it's like how are you not like music you know well they don't like living exactly but i will have uh, you you remember when you bought your first guitar when you went in to to, to the uh shop bella when you bought your first guitar do you remember your first electric not the one not the one not the one in the garage actually went into a record store into a What was it you bought?
2: The first guitar I bought was that old Univox High Flyer. Wow.
1: And I will have, I will end because I know you have started playing stand-up bass, but tell us about the time that you and your dad went to the to the store and bought your first amp and, and rig.
0: Well, yeah, there used to be, at the Musicians' Union in, in Hollywood, at Local 47, there used to be uh, a, a music store in the building. Uh, this MK Stein, and which as time went on became much too big. And it had a store across the street from the Union on Vine Street, and it was called Stein on Vine. But I was, when I when I started playing upright, I was playing with like lots of bands in the area. And it was frustrating because, you know, you had electric guitar, electric keyboards, drums, and you had an upright bass that didn't have mics or anything like that. Yeah. So, you know, and, and when I finally like saw the Beatles play on Ed Sullivan and all that, which was a life changer for every musician I know, um, it was time for me to, to to get an electric. So my dad took me down there because that was the only music store we were aware of. And I bought a, um, we got me a, a St. George amp and a melody bass, a couple of, you know, both Japanese um, little knockoff things. Yeah. But it made me a contender. All of a sudden in the bands I had a, I had a real seat in the band. And then as time went on, you know, I, I ended up with a, uh, I, I built an amp at one point, uh, found a 15 inch Altec speaker, and a Bogan, a little PA amp. And then I ended up with a Standel Super Imperial and over the years and ended up finally like with a SVT with 16 10s and the whole nine yards. and But at one point, I I had an opportunity to buy a 62 jazz bass, or or an old uh, Gibson Melody Maker bass, which had like the banjo pegs on the back of the headstock, and wow. and I I, I think uh, I didn't have enough money to have both of them, and I had to make a choice, and I ended up keeping the the 62 jazz bass, and. Wow. Uh, and I've still got that. It's the bass I used on, on Spectrum with Billy Cobham. It's what I use on all the old James Taylor stuff. It's what I used on Doctor My Eyes with Jackson Brown. Wow. I'll play it. It's still sitting at home. And I carved it all up in the, in the 60s back uh, at a time your parents would probably love seeing this bass because it's covered like with peace signs and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I, sat, I sat one night with a, when I was in college with a knife and a saw, cut the top horn of it off to make it look more like a les paul and then carved it all up and then stained it with shoe polish wow Um, but i still got it it and it still sounds incredible it's still a great instrument
1: again great common ground here is that bella has grown up around music in the house it was played and for you as well leland uh boy music in the house oh my folks
0: were very eclectic in what they they listened to in music too so it was really You know, it was a pretty rich atmosphere musically, from classical to, you name it, jazz. Um, You know, I mean, not so much rock and roll, but you know, I mean, that was a different different time. But um, but it was they were always incredibly supportive of uh, of me being involved with music. Um, So it's it's been a great journey, you know, and I I wish you the same kind of a journey because. You know, it's like the body ages, but the mind is still sitting there. And I'm still re- I remember the very first paying session I did, like it was yesterday and it was nineteen seventy. And that was um Brian Highland was the first who had a song called It'sy Bitsy, Teensy Weensy Yellow Polka Dot Bikini. Oh my god, as a novelty tune in the sixties, but but I ended up doing this album with him. Uh, I think we did Sealed with a Kiss was or one of those was a huge hit. It was even before James Taylor, because I think Brian Hyland and Del Shannon, who produced him, came sure. to our first show at the Troubadour and saw it. And they hired Russ Conklin, me for for that album. And uh and you know, it's just one of these things that you just take these journeys and uh you go, you kind of cast your fate to the wind and go, let's go for it. And absolutely
1: and you're based on you got a friend too and that, i mean that's yeah. that's like i mean that's the go-to song when you go to see james taylor it's like when's he gonna play it when's he gonna play it you know <laughs> well,
0: that the, is- the best thing was the very first time we ever played that because we recorded it at the same time carol king was going in to record it for tapestry and um but she's james she gave james permission to go ahead and do it too because she yeah. was playing keyboards with us at the During that. So the very first time we had just learned the song and we were playing, I think, in Boston and uh, James went and it was a trio. It was just James and Russ Kunkel and myself. And and James went out and said to the audience, "Um, this is a brand new song. Carol King wrote it. And we'd like you to hear it tonight for the first time. And if you hear any wrong notes, it's Lee. (laughs) okay, okay, great. So we play the song. So we play the song and every bass note's wrong on it. And when we finished, I looked at James and I said, What song did we play before this? Country Road <laughs> drop D tuning. Did you remember to tune your E string back up to an E? Gosh. And he had and it was still in a D tuning. So he's playing with his thumb the whole time, a oh. whole step off. So it sounded like the bass was wrong. But I was not going to take a bullet for him. So I called <laughs> it off on stage. But yeah, you've got a friend. I mean, it's an anthemic at this point with james and and
1: and then and then to play with uh vanessa carlton
0: uh a thousand miles
1: i mean that's like what a huge song that is and that whole album um and she's she's done a lot as well she's kind of you know spread her wings and done stuff but uh those first couple albums she were just like they were just they were huge huge hits and uh, well it's
0: also number one it's thrilling to walk in the studio you don't know who the artist is or anything like that when i walk in and there's this girl who looked young like you do, Bella, and she's sitting in there playing Chopin, just warming up, yeah. you know, burning through Chopin. And I just went, this is going to be great. And, you know, there's a bunch of those. I mean, when I did Amanda Marshall's album, I mean, she's still one of the best singers I ever worked with. And she's finally getting a resurgence up here in Canada. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's really been a fun thing. But then I also look at working on stuff like It's Raining Men with the Weather Girls and all this <laughs> other stuff. So, you know, I mean, the, the thing that's kept my enthusiasm up is variety and and that I've been able to travel so many paths during this whole thing and, and work in every style of music and going from fusion to reggae to country <laughs> to you name it. And, uh, and that, that to me is, is the thing that's kept this thing all fresh. Cause I'm not, you're never in a rut because you got something new facing you daily.
2: Yeah. That's something that really inspires me as well. And keeping things diverse and fresh like that.
0: Yeah, And
2: because really for me, it's just about the music and any opportunity I can get to play anything with anyone live and just take the stage and see people's faces and make people happy Yep, yeah. with something. Yeah, with something that makes me so happy and that I love so much. And music really is my life. And I don't know what I'd do without it. So, and you'll get this to whole that, conversation will be hard.
1: You'll get to that point where you can pick and choose. And that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty soon <laughs> yeah. for you. Um, oh, of yeah, course. You, you, play, you, play, you play every day, I take it. Yes. Good.
2: Of yeah. course. And I'd be surprised if there wasn't a night where I'm not sitting in my bed and fall asleep with my guitar on. Oh, me. yeah. So.
0: I when I when I do like clinics or master classes, I always talk to him. I said, you know, I I know where you guys are and gals are at right now. I said, you know, it's like you're sitting there trying to eat cereal and also play. <laughs> you're going to bed with your headphones on, and you wake up with a cord wrapped around your neck. It's me. You no, know, it's it's like the, the, I, I, there's so many times where I would just be sitting and watching TV in the evening. and wouldn't have an, the bass plugged in. I would just be sitting and playing you know, watching TV just to keep your brain, you know, going on there. So, you know, it's, it, it it is, it's one of those things that you do because you have to do it to feel right about yourself. You have to be making music. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think you're on a, you're on a very good path, Bella. Uh, you know, great advice from Lila. uh, take Mm -hmm. it, take what you want, leave the rest. But obviously, um, again, I hope you guys get a chance to meet one day and, uh, maybe jam too because uh lee really is uh lee's in it for the music and it, it's always been about that but even more so he's in it for other musicians too especially the, the people are starting out. Oh, yeah and you it's you've got I, wisdom beyond your years i mean it's just incredible you're not talking
0: I, to me now i know no that. no no
1: no no no, no. <laughs> i'm being focused yeah i mean <laughs> you just you're wonderful and uh, how can they follow how can they follow you online and on instagram
2: thank you you can follow me at Bella Facilli on Instagram and I have a website. That's Bellarainrocks.com.
1: And that's Bella. You can Vassilia, find me F- there. F I C I. L I. Okay. Got it. Yes. Sure. And that's
2: so amazing. And I would love that. I would love to meet Lee in person. And I'd be, that would be amazing.
0: I wish, yeah. I wish we would have hooked up before when we <laughs> played up in San, you know, up in the Bay area, it would have been nice to have had you out to the show. Um, but oh. next time next you, uh, time we'll make it happen
1: you got shows coming up right bella
2: yes i've been playing with a local band and it's it's hard to find opportunities to play in my area especially with people my age so i've been really lucky i've been playing with a local band called boonfire and they're actually working on a new album right now and they're kind of a alternative reggae band So it's a little different for me and I love it. And they've been so sweet and really great people taking me under their wing. Uh, They asked me to record on their new album, which has been a really interesting experience for me because I've been writing my own solos and going and recording. And it's been some of my first session work and I'm just eating it up and loving it.
1: You are right where you should be. Uh, Bella, (laughs) I'm so glad you joined us. Will you come back on again soon?
2: I would love to.
1: Love to have you Thank back you on. so you're much. Uh, Leland, I know you're getting close to showtime there. Um what's your schedule like? I mean, you are again on the road with Lyle. How many more shows do you have roughly? Are you X-ing oh, them off uh, if you go?
0: I mean, we're out till the end of August. We're about midway through it. I think we're doing I mean, it's something it's something like 59 shows in like 68 days or something like that. Wow. I mean, we are we're going. I mean, the thing also is when you have a, this many people on the road and with a 15-piece band, a day off this is a budget destroyer yeah. because you got hotels and all the different things so we work pretty much every single day and travel every day because it's all one-nighters so sure. it's a it's a grind but it's but it's a, a joyous grind so I'll, I'll, I'll never I will never bitch about being on the road and being a musician where I hear musicians start whining and i go get a job doing hot tar <laughs> roofing in august oh, in atlanta God. and then tell me about how yeah. bad the position is
1: um, that is so amazing the uh again let's plug uh okay immediate family you do, you're working with them the documentary is still on the circuit right uh
0: the the documentary is on the circuit they just the we've it's been great we've won almost audience choice um in all the film festivals it's been and they awesome. just had the maui film festival and it won the festival And supposedly, I think it might be up by the end of the year, but for anybody who had had ever seen The Wrecking Crew that Denny Tedesco created, which is a great movie about the musicians of the 60s in Los Angeles, he did this one because his father was Tommy Tedesco, who was one of the greatest studio guitar players who ever lived. Um, So that's going on and we've got a new album that that we've been holding on to releasing for a year now to have it coincide with the movie. So There's a bunch going on and like Russ and I are out now with Lyle and Waddy is out with, he's Stevie Nicks' guitar player and musical director and everybody's everybody's busy doing things right now. So we're kind of gearing up towards the end of the year of starting to, you know, do all this stuff.
1: Then there's the book, Everybody Loves You.
0: Yep. Everybody Loves Me is the book. It's got 6,000 pictures in it of everybody imaginable going, (laughs) yeah.
1: it's wonderful yes yeah we're
0: selling them at the gigs here and yeah. everything it's been it's really fun it's really it's a great everybody
1: everybody's in it which is fantastic and uh yeah. everyone does love you thanks so much for, for being part of this and again being able to feature bella here on the podcast because absolutely um, she's amazing absolutely amazing bella rain guitar <laughs> guitarist bass player collector of pedals warehouse you need a warehouse pretty soon for all your guitars by the way it's <laughs> And uh, just there in, uh, on the coast of Cal- Northern California, I'm glad to have you on here. We thank you.
2: Thank you guys so much. This has been a pleasure to the both of you. Thank you.
0: And I want to you- wish you all the best. Have a, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on you, and hopefully we'll hook up somewhere down the line and you can come to a show, show, or I'll come to one of your shows and be out <laughs> <office. laughs> Well, one thank the-
2: you so much. That means the world, and I would love to keep in touch with the two of you and definitely catch a show, maybe jam eventually. And definitely meet in person.
1: Yeah, Why not? I'll get you his his information because Lee is uh, one of the nicest guys in music. And uh, yeah, he'll do anything really within reason. uh,
2: (laughs) That would be wonderful. What a legend.
1: Lee, have fun on the road. Best to Lyle, love it, enjoy, find your spot on a stage and own it. I know you usually do. And uh, look forward to seeing you when you get back home.
0: Okay, sounds good. You're not
1: going to miss the heat. though. It's like 105 today, so you're much better. (laughs) I know. You got to go to Tim Hortons you got to find Tim Hortons, for
0: sure. Yeah, go get some donut holes. There
1: you go. Hey, guys. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Bella. That's a wrap. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram at Conversations Radio. This is Conversations Radio. So long.